Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, you were just playing with your background right there. Yeah. Kind of I'm going to do that. I'm going to start putting pictures up behind, you know, mm-hmm. like that green screen, like yeah. the kids do. You didn't but, like it. You don't like change. It, it it bothered me for a second. I wasn't sure Why? what was going on. It's like you do it. It's like it looked like you were in a special sci-fi area or something. I don't know. It was different. You, I would think that would excite you. I don't know. Look at this. I don't know. It's it's. I don't know. It bothers me. No. Uh, we have to address something. What happened? A lot. We were we had our first podcast in person. Oh yeah, let's talk about it. It was an abject disaster. Allegedly, allegedly, we had it in person. No one knows. (laughs) I saw frustrated thought warriors on the Reddit. Uh, they couldn't get their daily fix of higher learning. Not their daily fix, but their Tuesday morning fix of higher learning, and they were making up all kinds of content that was supposedly in the episode. Oh, that's funny. Very funny. Thought warriors are funny. They are. They were like, hey. Did you guys catch that Kyle Rittenhouse interview that they did? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, uh, one said, That's good. Van made Mitch McConnell unexpected ally of the week. <laughs> I love you guys over at Our Thought Wars. I will say this. We recorded the podcast. We okay? did. In person. In person. Video. Shout out to the Spotify studios uh, there in downtown Los Angeles, the Arch District where I used to live. We recorded the podcast. It went great, had a different feel. Trudy was there, uh, you know, dealing in misandry and different things, hating guys that she dates, uh, talking about how you drain a man on the first date, all kinds wow. of things. Wow. Like um, <laughs> that's what you were saying. That's what people said. People that you caused the conversation. We we're going to talk more about it. Uh, but then when we were trying to, I guess, send the files over, this is something new. We hadn't done it before. Mm-hmm. I guess the video had crashed midway and the files themselves were kind of janky. So there was a delay. We didn't get any video. So yes, that is what happened on the podcast this past Tuesday. Not on purpose. We wanted to show, I mean, we were excited. We teased it. This was, this was supposed to be a moment, but that's yeah. okay. You know, we'll save it for the new year. Yeah. Cause we, um, we want to make sure we get it right. Next yeah. Time. We're going to do it right. Save it for the new year. We're going to be back in person pods happening all next year. This was Donnie's fault. Don't do that. This, I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you do it. Donnie, I got you. This I'm was not going to let you do it. This is something that, like, on the back end, we, Rach and I, we have to be able to trust that we have people that have our backs in this okay. area. And Donnie, I don't know if Donnie did something that, you know, Leon Lett did in the Super Bowl back in the day. He uh-uh. dropped the ball. Don't don't talk about Cowboys. He did drop now the listen. ball. Don't, don't, Shout don't, out don't. Don Beebe. Greatest hustle um, play in NFL history. Listen, I don't want to throw Donnie under the bus, and I don't want to throw anybody else under the bus. Donnie, Donnie is definitely not Donnie's fault. Donnie was sitting there waiting for the four thirty in the morning. Donnie was trying to get this done. Donnie stayed up all night. Donnie, Donnie, let him know. Whoa, Donnie, Donnie wasn't in the room. It's a joke. Donnie wasn't in the room. Whoa, Donnie came at me. I was up till four thirty, nigga. Did you hear Donnie? I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. You didn't even have to say it. Niggin, niggin, niggin. We gotta reach out to niggin, niggin next week is your week. We gotta know what the what it is. But yeah, Donnie, Donnie and Trudy were very valiantly trying to save that podcast, and they did. Audio, no video. We apologize to the Thought Warriors for that. 
Um, was it kind of anticlimactic that our first in-person pod had was was steeped in controversy? Oh, like several controversies? No. Or I mean, just Trudy's Trudy's controversy. They so, oh, you mean <laughs> they so mad at Trudy. <laughs> you mean the fact we didn't have a video. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, listen. The fact the 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 point is, you guys, we got together in right. person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Big things for higher learning in 2022. Yeah. A lot of guys out there burning gift cards because of Trudy. Trudy, Trudy was a hit. I had a lot of guys. It's so funny. I got one tweet. It was like, man, I thought Trudy was old as piss, but she sounded like a young Tinderoni on the podcast. Okay. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. But then those 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 same guys came back and they don't like this. This whole gift card thing is controversial, man. It is it common? Did they say, did they go into further detail that they do bring gift cards? Because I've never been on a date where a guy brought a gift card. I don't think it's a common occurrence, but I think it's one of those things to where you just want to know if it would be okay. I don't think it's a common occurrence at all. Like I've never done, well, I've done it with Galika, but who cares? You know, you but get you're like, already together. Yeah, you know what I mean? But like, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's a common thing with the gift card situation. I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's something that a guy would want to know, hey, if I got a date, you know, and I got $100 to Olive Garden, I would like to take her there. And there should be no repercussions for that. Well, I'm not, in, I'm not in the out there anymore, but Trudy is, and Trudy says it's not okay. Trudy, give me some other red flags. Give us Trudy's... Top red flags when meeting a new guy. Top five red oh. flags. Think of, give us some top I can, five I red can, flags. I can name some on well, there. Go ahead. Give, give one some. of my favorites is if he's like wearing a hat, like immediately, I think your hairline's probably. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell. Wait a minute. They go ahead. Trudy, they go hate you again next week. Hold on for a they second, go hate you again. Come on, Sorry, man. friend. God yes, damn, the hairline's man. definitely questionable. We can't wear hats. <laughs> Trudy, Trudy, come on now, Trudy. Trudy, I'm, really, it, it, you wouldn't date. You wouldn't date. Okay, a man? when I first, so, are oh, you just a questionable hairline? I'm 26. That's yes. what you all have to understand. It's like I'm 26. But some, but some people so lose their hairline at 21. My boy Gino started losing his hair at three. Well, Walter Gino McLaughlin from Baton Rouge. He sounds like he's Walter Gino McLaughlin. I want everybody to go to Walter Gino McLaughlin's uh, Instagram and tell him you lost your hair early. Van says it. Your hair skipped school. It cut homeroom. <laughs> You know what? And like he, like some bald men look great, and you know that's somebody's man. It's just not mine. Damn, yeah. Trudy. That's okay, tough, so Trudy, uh, Trudy there's th- a whole chapter in my book about a oh, list. Okay, I'm just telling you. Okay, so can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? All right, seriously, and this is a serious question. Drag me. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not about to drag you at all. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I'm not about to. I'm not about to drag you. I'm not about to drag you at all. Whatever your list of red flags is, your list of red flags. But what if the conversation was like with a guy, a bunch of guys, and they say, "If I can see a girl's panty line, it's out." That's not the same. Yeah, that's like apples and oranges. 
As a matter of fact, I would I would argue that the hairline is actually more egregious because that's something you have absolutely zero control no, over. It would be the equivalent to edges. But your a edges, wait line. a minute. Your edges up, 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 look, first of all, for a lot of guys, seeing a panty line is unattractive. It's unattractive. For a lot of guys, it makes you think of your school teachers and all of that stuff. <laughs> but it, to me, it would be something sort of superficial to raise as a red flag. And I got to be honest with you. That's such an easily fixable thing. So wait, wearing a hat. So wait, okay. So what you what you guys are saying is just. I'm glad that we're in this. So, hold on. No, no, no. I'm glad that we're having this conversation. So it's the easily fixable things. So something that you can't fix. Something that's like you could be a great personality, great guy, donate to the Red Cross, but you just got bad genes like Gino does, and you start losing your hair at 23. Nothing you can do about that. But something you can fix. That's Let what me just say that for. I'm when I'm initially meeting you, I don't know your personality. I don't know your charitable donations. Like I don't know all that stuff. So if I was just in a club and you pull me aside in the club, can I have your number, whatever, whatever, and you're wearing a hat, and I have reason to believe, because even with wearing a hat, sometimes you just have laser vision. <laughs> if I suspect, <laughs> hold on, hold on, one second, Trudy is hilarious. If you're wearing a yeah. hat and I suspect that you are follically challenged, I can't believe you walked your receding ass over here to try to talk to TJ. No, no, no. no. Wow. No, no, no. You asked me for my yeah. number. I might not give you my number. That's yours. I will, I will definitely take your Instagram and then do further investigation later that night. That's all I'm saying. You will in- in- investigate a man's hairline to make sure. Trudy, you toxic. <laughs> Oh, Trudy. probably. Trudy. Probably. What, give me Trudy, one. what if he just has a big head? I have and that's a big head and I can accept that. Like, I might be able to accept your big head. True. But then I don't know, because two big headed people together, that's just. That's Make a fun. water head, man. No. We don't, we, yeah. we don't need no more water head babies out here. Either. We've seen some in the past. It didn't work. Water head babies out here. You look I at the baby. Like a water head baby. Like a, like a, were you? That's why you got strong neck muscles now. Because you was carrying that shit. Like the whole time, like now, that's why you're so headstrong. You're so headstrong. You are, you're headstrong now. That's why you know, cause of the waterhead. I can see. Look at your neck. You got a good neck. It's the waterhead. When I was in, when I was in the neighborhood playing one time, neighborhood kid. Did I tell y'all this? No. Neighborhood kid ro- walked up to me and like you know how like y'all are scoring on each other and you going back and forth. Uh-huh. He just walked up, put his hand over my head. Yes, I told this story and no. saying, I got the whole world. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. And I ran home all the way home and cried. That's funny. That's funny. So your head, your head jokes won't work here. I've been I've been dealing with them for years. Okay, Trudy, what else is on the list? One more, Trudy. Oh. Give us one more. Um, damn. You guys are really making me get in my bag here. Yeah, get in um, your bag. If Oh no, I can't say this one. Say I it. Really, no, nope. Because I already dragged enough in this. No, no say is, it. Is it is it hands? Hashtag that dating Trudy. Mean, what, what, give me another okay, one. Hands, is it hands? So I'm from Massachusetts, and uh-huh. it's cold. Like six months. It's honestly like True. eight months out the year. And uh-huh. I almost lied there. It's eight months out the year, and you know the little corner of your knuckles. 
Yeah. If you got that <laughs> that ash in that little corner, you looking way too hard. Like your fingers, guys with long fingernails. Oh my God! Long fingernails is true, but Trudy, 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 you know what the next Trudy, question they is? They could have washed their hands and got that ash. Like you, you gotta you keep I mean? that. You gotta keep that. Uh, that feel on you. Like you gotta. I gotta be honest with you, you, Trudy. You know what the next question is gonna be from a lot of people listening to this? Oh my God! So are are you single? Don't do, don't do, don't, don't, don't you dare, Doctor Kevin Samuel. Don't you dare, Doctor Kevin Samuel. I'm not Kevin Samuel's her. She's a high value woman. I'm not Kevin Samuel. I'm asking, are you single? Like, you know, is it working? You have working? to ask me that again, and I would say, ask me around Valentine's Day, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be able to really answer I that got you. for you. I got you. But like, Actually, most people say bad breath. They stink. Oh, yeah. When you, you know, okay, bad hygiene, all that. So, okay, I just have a little bit different of a bag. Like, all of that to me is like low hanging fruit. I gave y'all like the creme de la creme. I got you. I got you. Trudy, please you, add me to the group chat. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I, got please. I, I want to be on the group chat too. I want to be. I, I, think, I think on a group chat like that, y'all need at least one dude that's defending the guy. Like, I know. Need, it ruins the chat. I think no. you need one guy just, hey, man, just look. I'll be honest with you. What if that man was thoroughly washing his hands because of COVID? He comes out, he gets hit by that gust of air. Y'all don't understand that gust of air. That <laughs> like gust, to say, that's what happened to no. that's what happened to Kevin Durant. Look, you could wash your shit, lotion your shit, right? You wash lying, your shit man. again for whatever reason. And then that one gust of air, it's like ashy air. The air could be ashy. It hits your shit and just draw the ass right out of you. <laughs> Trudy, I'd like to send everyone in the group chat a complimentary book. Oh, absolutely. Please, wow. I'll send you everyone's address. <laughs> Just a Let's have a book club and just yeah. get into it. <laughs> I had a list too, Trudy. I had a list okay, too. Okay, boom. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right. We have to start the podcast with really bad breaking news. So travesty of justice has happened in Chicago. As former Empire actor, Jesse Smollett was convicted on Thursday on charges that he staged an anti-gay racist attack on himself nearly three years ago in Chicago. The verdict was read. Jesse stood up and faced the jury. No visible reaction. Five counts of disorderly conduct for the 39-year-old embattled singer and actor. He was acquitted on the sixth count uh, of lying to a detective uh, in mid-February. No sentence has yet been announced. Uh, he will be sentenced at a later date. Um, there's a post-trial hearing on January 27th. 
unclear on whether or not that is where he, when he will be sentenced. Disorderly conduct is a class four felony that carries a prison sentence of up to three years. But people have always said that if he was convicted, Jesse would most likely be placed on probation and given community service. Mm. Rachel, you got what you wanted. No, a- another stop, 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 black stop, stop, stop. man in the system. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> um, I find it interesting because we followed this case here on this podcast. We followed it on Extra. Everybody was paying attention. And it really seemed like it was 50-50. Mm. It really seemed like it was, do you believe Olo and Bolo? Or do you believe <laughs> Jesse Smollett? And it was. It seemed split down the middle. When we would ask people, they said they don't know which way it was going to go. The jury deliberated for nine hours and said, we don't believe Jesse. That speaks volumes. They were the ones in their courtroom because there were no cameras there. They were analyzing every bit of testimony because let's not forget, Jesse took the stand, okay? Not every defendant takes a stand. He took the stand. He told his version and they said, no, we don't believe you. So here's the thing. Yes, he could get probation. Yes, that's likely. But it's also likely that he could receive three years in prison. And this is what they're saying. They're saying Jesse exposed himself to jail time when he testified in court. And experts are saying that that was a miscalculation by the defense team to put him on the stand to testify because it opened him up. And now the judge gets a sense of what he said. And by the jury saying that he was guilty, they're resoundingly rejecting what he had to say. Basically, we're not buying what you're selling. So... Jesse could see some jail time. I, I hope not. You know, give him probation. Give him community service. But um, the jury's spoken, Van. Yeah. And Look. You said he was guilty. You said it. At the end of the day, it's you probably the right. It. At the end of the day, it's probably, it's, it's probably the right decision. Like, it, And at the end of the day, all those 12 jurors would have left that sandwich on the sidewalk. That's the truth. I'll be honest with you. There's a separate case here to be litigated, and the separate case has nothing to do with Jesse. It has to do with the sandwich itself. The reality is that, you know, leaving behind a sandwich after an attack, to me, is more indicative of what a psychopath would do. Like, if I'm interviewing a witness and they say all these things have happened to them, and I go, okay, well, where's the sandwich? And they go, I left the sandwich on the sidewalk. I'm not, Guilty. I'm not doing this Guilty. today with you. Guilty. Who's going to leave that sandwich on the sidewalk right there? Well, you know, whatever. Look, uh, in all seriousness, if this ever went to trial, this was going to be the outcome. The evidence seemed to be uh, overwhelming in the face of Jesse Smollett's uh, guilt here. This is what I would say to Jesse Smollett. Like I told you, somebody who I know who I have a lot of respect for. Justice Millett now owes the culture the truth. He does. He's never going to tell it. As much as I joke around about this trial, which I think, you know, has some political motivations behind it. Obviously, we discussed that. As much as I've joked about the fact that this is not that big of a deal to me, at the same time, let me be completely clear. Whereas I don't think that the police themselves are uh have the latitude to not investigate things um as intensely because somebody might have uh misled them 
I don't think the police or the fire department or anybody like that can do that. I think that's bullshit. So I completely reject the idea that, oh, the next time they might not believe us. I think that's bullshit. I think we should demand more and ask for more from our public servants. I will say this, though. At Justice, Justice Malay has been found guilty of this crime. He's guilty of the crime in the court of law. At the time that this was going on, and even still today, the very real, very real feelings of black people and allies everywhere uh, were actually preyed upon by Justice Smollett and by uh, you know anyone else that took place in this, and that is a cultural crime. It is a cultural crime to have taken the emotions of people and used them, put them out there, and then um, not in any way have been telling the truth. And I think the difference between me and a lot of other people is I don't think that every cultural crime is a cultural death sentence. I don't think that that means you don't have a place in the culture. I don't think that that means you don't have a voice in the culture. I think what it means is that at some point you tell the truth. At some point you come clean and you sit down with somebody wherever you want to go, however you want to do it. You tell people you made a mistake. And then rather than it being on Justice Millett, it'll be on us as a culture of people who've made mistakes to decide how soft of a bed we're going to give Justice Millett to land on. But in all seriousness, now that this has been adjudicated legally, now that the evidence has been heard, I think it's time for Justice Millett to come clean and to actually apologize to the people he misled and apologize to black America, to the LGBTQ plus community and to anyone else um, that he personally feels like uh, he's a part of. Anyone who's supported him over the years. I think that's very important for him to do. And I think if he does that, we should be like, all right, man, you fucked up. Don't do it again. And we move on. Mm. Wouldn't that be nice if that happens? That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Because at this point, if you're going to accept what the jury said, then that means he lied twice to the culture. He lied about the event happening. And then he lied. So he lied about what happened. And now he lied on the stand about why it happened. Right. So he's never, at this point, the moment he decided to take the stand and testify under oath his version of what occurred, and he went into some detail, like some deep, secreted detail and and was exposing people. We didn't even talk about what he said about Don Lemon because we found out kind of in real time that he um, was taking the stand when we were doing the podcast. But- um, Jesse has to, at this point, he is, if he decided to make that bold of a, a move, that's what he's choosing to stand in. He's going to say the jury got it wrong. He's going to say he was judged by the court of public opinion. He's going to say that people were against him, had judged him before he even walked in. He might even talk about not getting a fair trial because everyone was so familiar with the case. And he's going to hold on to what he said in that courtroom. And that's that. And I think it would be nice if he came out and said that. But that means he has to tell us he lied twice. And I just don't see that happening. And... I think what he is just going to have to accept is what the jury decided, whatever the judge decides to do with sentencing. If they decide to appeal, then then whatever happens with that. But that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to. What I'm saying is, yeah, th- there can't be absolution until you know, like, or, you can't be absolved, and you can't get a clean slate unless you clean up. And in this case, it, it, I, I personally think, um, at the end of the day, as much fun as I've had with this, I don't think it's the end of the world, but it is a, it is a thing. It's a thing for me to be at a school or be at a place to come home and cry racism, cry this when it didn't happen. It's a thing. It's a thing because it, it, it while it might not mean anything structurally, uh, emotionally, uh, it's it's corrosive. Absolutely, it's absolutely corrosive. And you know, I've had this thing. I've had this thought about other people. I had this thought about, to be honest with you, Johnny Cochran. Um, brilliant lawyer, but of course. Johnny Cochran used the very real racial animus of Los Angeles to engender support for somebody who killed two people. And yes, he did. Johnny was doing his thing. He was doing his job, and everybody in their life should want to have a Johnny Cochran on the on on their side. The reality of it is, though, at certain points there are things, touch points that are sensitive. And stuff that has to mean something in the end. And our feelings, our angst, our hurt, our disappointment in the system, they have to mean something in the end. So, uh, Jussie, if you're listening to this, um, obviously an open invitation to come on Higher Learning, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, but somewhere, at some point, a deeper, more thorough explanation of what was going on in your head. Yeah, why? Like, why, why this happened, why? how this happened, and all of that. Just so people know that they can trust you. And they should be able to trust Jesse Smollett. And he should want that. He should want people yeah. to trust him. Yeah, Justice Smollett has done enough in, in his past for people to trust him. Um, and, you know, people fuck up. People make mistakes. People make grand, huge, hilarious, off-color, ridiculous Subway sandwich mistakes. This is a Subway sandwich mistake. You know, on the on the list of things that subway people have done wrong, this is way down. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 Jesse, if you can hear me, if 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 anyone in Jesse's life can hear me, just just come clean, man. Talk to us. We your family. Trust us. Like our uncles and cousins done done worse. All right, Texas wilding again. You don't, wait, wait, you made a face. You don't have any uncles or cousins in the... Whoa, we never talked about this. Do you have family in the pen? Not any uncles, cousins. Damn. How close? They're not currently in the pen. The but they pen. were Let's before. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. Let's just put it like that. In and out, right? In and out. They're in and outers. Right. Not yeah. not not like been there sentenced to twenty or even ten years or anything. They're in and outers. And I don't mean like overnight. I mean right. they they definitely spend some time there. Yeah. And they do something else and they right. go right back in. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family was the fucking prison. <laughs> like we were the prison. You know what I mean? Like it was it was like it was so funny. Like and my uncle Ray would shout out to my uncle Ray. My uncle Ray he would see people around town and be like, yeah, I was locked up with him. 
I was like, how many times were you fucking locked up? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I was locked up with him. Oh, that's your that's your homie's father. Oh, I was locked up with him. We did some time together. I was locked up with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you some things about him. No, I don't want to know, Uncle Ray. Uncle Ray, great guy. Uncle. But see, they they all got dip, locked up for diff, different stuff. Uncle Ray was federal, moving some of that. Nah, nah, birds fly down south. You know, Uncle Uncle Ray had it going. He was doing his thing out here. Um, you know, shout out. Shout out. Uh, yes, but Texas, wilding out again. Department of Justice is suing Texas over new electoral maps. Texas has decided, look, <laughs> our state is getting too niggerish. That's what Texas has decided. Texas is pushing back against niggerishness. They have said that uh, minority voters have accounted for 95% of the population growth in Texas over the last decade. But there are no new majority minority districts in the new plans that the Texas legislature is drawing up. They're controlling these congressional seats. They're gerrymandering the fuck out of this situation. And Merrick Garland is suing them. The com- Merrick Garland says this, the complaint that we filed today alleges that Texas violated section two by creating redistricting plans that deny or abridge the rights of Latino and black voters on account of their race, color, or membership in a language or minority group. So Texas is now a place where you are currently <clears throat> disenfranchised. You have your reproductive rights taken and it's even more difficult to vote. So even if you can vote in an area where like you're outnumbered, it's more difficult to vote. What the mm. fuck is going on with your home state, Rach? It's embarrassing. I've been saying it. It seems like every week we're in the news and the fact that this isn't the first time in like what, the last couple of months Mm -hmm. that the United States is suing the state of Texas. This Texas is, I feel like Texas is taking a stance where they're like to all the other red states. It's like, hey, look at us. Watch what we do. Maybe you can emulate it or you can figure out what we did wrong and do it better. We see this in abortion. We've seen this with gun laws. We've seen this now with uh, voting. Um, I, I feel like I'm running out of things to, to even name here. But what's happening in Texas is what's going to happen pretty much to the future of this country. The minority is going to become the majority. And Texas, Texas gained two seats in Congress because they are growing so fast. And yet they're still holding down minorities. Right. They're trying to desperately cling to what once was not how things are going to be. And and I mean, this this whole article and what's happening right now in this lawsuit is showing that. And it's not going to stop. I feel like every month we're talking about Texas and something that's going on. Every single issue. Texas itself seems like it's going to be an issue in 2024. Seriously, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a campaign issue. Let me tell you what's happening right now in Texas. Nope, don't you say something wild. Okay, it's on the level of wild. Subway. It's not has nothing to do with Subway. Stop besmirching Subway. All right? I'm telling you, man. I'm starting to take it personally pretty soon. Stop besmirching <laughs> Subway. Um Texas is coming for the crown. For a long time here in America, Florida has been the <laughs> number one state in terms of fuckery. Now I love you guys in Florida. Don't get on me. The reality is that if 
there was a headline that said, uh, man has sex with alligator. Alligator eats man, man hours after sexual encounter. What state is that coming from? Uh, Florida. That's coming from Florida. Okay. If there is a Frisbee gets stuck in the mouth of seven foot, six year old child. You know what I mean? Florida. Florida is the place where all of that kind of shit happens. Right. Um, Texas said no. Texas is like, we want to be the capital of fuckery. But our fuckery won't be weird, like uh, bizarre, uh, politically incorrect fuckery. Texas is going for the capital of real, actual fuckery. Texas is going, Florida, you got hillbillies? Well, guess what? We got slaves. We got people who can't fucking vote. We got people whose votes don't count. We got people who can't do stuff with their bodies. We got we you can fucking go to 7-Eleven in our state and buy an M16 carbine and a 60 round drum. We are going for the number one fuckery fuck fucked up place in the entire world. The question, Rachel, is we know Texas is doing this and we know that Georgia is going, hey, <laughs> wait a second, man. We're right behind you. And then the little brothers, my home state, Louisiana. Uh, and then Mississippi, they're like, we want to be fucked up too. The question is, how does this stop? You are a very proud Texan. What has to happen to stem the tide of what's going on there? Is it possible? Well, it's leadership, right? I mean, you throw Georgia in there. Georgia's sitting back and watching. Well, what's happening in Georgia right now? Stacey Abrams, with all that she did, what she lost in the in the governor's race last time, then what she did in that state, and then throughout the United States, and now she's running again. It's leadership. It's having people with power who can actually make changes. What's happening right now in Texas is because it's a Republican-run Congress, and you've got Greg Abbott as a Republican governor. You've got the lieutenant governor underneath him, and they're the ones making all these rules. So I feel like you have if you can knock it down, at the top, which the only way to do that is through voting, then you can make those changes. And we've seen it in Georgia. So it's like the same way we're talking about, hey, these red states are looking at Texas. We, we need to be looking at Georgia and see what Georgia did in the Senate with the governor's race. We're going to be watching what happens with is, Stacey Abrams. Does Texas have a Stacey Abrams, though? Does Texas have, does Texas have someone there on the ground who can because here's the thing that we we keep talking about here on we the have, podcast we have one of them on our podcast who sheila jackson lee okay well then so this is my thing we understand the voting restrictions that are going on in texas we understand all of this stuff that's happening it has to be organized around stacy abrams organized around some of the things and got people out to the polls. The Democrats are doing a piss poor job right now of messaging all the things that they're doing. We've talked about that ad nauseum here on the podcast. Sure. But what has to happen now is somebody has to take the reins in Texas and somebody has to be responsible for the political and cultural revolution that needs to take place there if people are going to have their freedoms. And I don't know who that person is. Well, I think also talking about because I mean, remember, Texas was in the news when the Democrats refused to come and um Join the um, oh my gosh, what's the what's it called? The le- the legislature, what's it called when they meet? The meeting, the meeting, the meeting they do. What the session, the legislative the session. session. Okay. They they refuse to come back 
until they were basically like, listen, we're going to come and get you. So, you know, you're you're they're doing things there. But then also with what's happening right now with the, the United States suing Texas right now because they're violating the Voting Rights Act, that's bringing to the attention of what's happening. How many people in Texas probably did not know that we gained two seats, but yet when it comes to redistricting and the mapping, we have no power. Right. We're not getting the, with the fact that we're gaining more minorities, more brown and black people are coming into the state, yet we're losing our voting power. So talking about this, I think is also helping. But you're right. Yes, we need one person or we need an organization. You know, Stacy wasn't just one person. She built an organization, built an organization that was yeah. that was boots on the ground. Yeah, we need that. Mm. What are you looking back? at? You keep you keep looking away at the kid. What you like? You look. What are you looking at? Is something happening to you? What's no, going on? No, I'm right? just like if you're, you're I, like it. when I think when mm. I think I like look. Yeah, I'm not just looking straight ahead. Like I'm thinking because I'm also thinking about what I'm gonna say and my thoughts. Yeah, judge, I'm not reading. The judge <laughs> should run for uh for governor of Texas. No, my dad's never been into politics like that. Mm. But you're right. We bright. need someone. You know, we should, have, we, should have, we should have Senator Royce West to come on because we were going to have him come on before at one point, and we should talk to him about that. Uh, Senator Royce West has been influential in the state of Texas, especially um, he's in the district that my parents live in. Um, going back to helping out the – we talked about this. Um, he was with the – what was the movie that came out? With the athletes at Carter being accused of Carter uh, High, it's like uh, it's Carter High. It's called Carter he was High. And then there with was uh, there was they they made him look terrible on <laughs> oh, uh, Friday, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights, a bunch yeah. of big, dirty, That's so bad, fast playing niggas. The, the coach was licking on the lollipop. Just looked weird. Um, we'll no. have we'll have him. We'll have somebody come on and talk about that. Yeah, Operation Texas, man. Gotta figure out what the hell is going on. I realized something. I hate politicians. What made you just realize that? I'm pretty sure you've expressed that sentiment on this no, very podcast. No, that was a dislike. But now as I get older, I'm looking around and I'm seeing a bunch of every sort of every politician to me looks like their prepared statement. <laughs> they look like a finished speech. They don't look like anything extemporaneous. They don't politicians to me now, because as I get older, especially after the last year and a half, and I'm stuck in my own human emotions and I know how they come out and how they present, I look at politicians and they look like no comments. They look like statements given to the press. They don't look like anything that's real. They don't seem like they're breathing. And does, what, does Beto look like that to you? Since we're since we're staying on Texas and 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 he is now running for hmm, governor. That's a good question. Beto looks like somebody that might be breathing. So might let, be, might, might be. be. Okay. So I put it to you like this. So he's short of breath. You ever been in? You ever seen a zombie movie before? Yes. And then you watch a zombie movie, right? And then in a zombie movie, sometimes like somebody gets bit, but you can't tell whether or not they're a zombie yet, mm-hmm. and they're hiding mm-hmm. the bite. And like you don't want you to see the bite. Over the course of the movie, either they you know, cut their arm off or you find the antidote or something, or they become a zombie. Beto is in mid-political zombie phase. He's been bitten, but he's not all the way a zombie yet. He's hiding the wound, you know? He, he's he's hiding. It's like, oh, don't look at my arm. He put it like, hey, hey no, don't look at my arm, but whatever, it's whatever. Then. It's But it doesn't have to. He can either cut his arm cut off. Cut his arm off. He can find the <laughs> antidote. 
You know what I mean? That's where Beto is right now. And there are a lot of people out there that are like that. There are a lot of people out there that are kind of there, but not there. And I'm hoping one of them takes the fucking antidote and just steps in there. Steps in there to be, if you're going to be a politician, be a people's politician, you know? Because you got to play the political game, but fucking care about us, man. Stacy, Stacy cut her arm off. Stacey Abrams, she's cut her arm off. I don't think she had to. I don't think she was ever, she was never, ever bit. Uh, You just made your segue to the next topic. Go ahead. What's the, what what do you mean? With the antidote. What, what do we, what's that? You you tell me, you tell me what's going on. I don't know. know Travis Scott spoke for the first time. Oh, wow. Rach. God damn. That's a good fucking. I know. And I thought, I just knew that's why you kept using that word. No, because I'm I'm looking it down. I've got the rundown right in front of me. Rach, that's a fucking million dollar fucking uh, segue right there. Travis Scott sat down with old Charlemagne the God, Lanier McKelvey, um, and talked about the Astroworld tragedy for the first time. Rach, did you watch this interview? No. And surprisingly, not many people did. Well, one, it's just been a crazy day and I didn't have time. It was an hour-long interview. I read about it. I didn't have time to sit down and watch the whole thing. But not, I'm like, I like looked on YouTube to see, and I thought millions of people would have wanted to hear what Travis Scott had to say for the first time. It hasn't even reached a million views. I'm actually surprised, which may be very telling to how people feel about Travis Scott right now and this tragedy that happened at Astroworld. They don't even want to hear from him. They aren't even curious as to what he has to say. It seems that in the court of public opinion, they've already made their mind up about Travis. Um, This was a bad move. I don't know if he felt inspired after watching Alec Baldwin sit down and do an interview with George Stephanopoulos, which had mixed reviews, which people felt like he was making himself the victim in the situation where someone lost their life. Whoever's, I, I don't know why Travis Scott would sit down and feel like he needs to talk. He has issued a statement. He put out a bad Instagram video, and I think he just needs to let this play out and the legal system do its job. I personally am not interested in what Travis Scott has to say because at this point we know he's denying liability. So anything he has to say is going to deny anything that makes him responsible for that tragedy that happened. I I just, when I saw this, I was in shock. First of all, did you know this was happening before it happened? Did not. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Really? I promise. Yeah. Did not. (laughs) Okay. Did not. Okay. Did not know that was happening. So when I woke up, this is the first thing I saw this morning. And I just was like, why? Why, 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 why would he do this? Now, I didn't watch it. You did. Mm-hmm. Did you have any, like, what was your impression of it? Did it change your mind? Or, or maybe you haven't even made up your mind yet. Did, so it, did it help you understand? So let's let's let Travis Scott speak for himself real quick. A couple of okay. clips from the interview. And then I'm going to give you guys and tell you what, you what I thought of it. Here's Travis Scott specifically on his responsibility in terms of the Astroworld tragedy is does he feel responsible for what happened in the Astroworld tragedy check it out so i guess my final question man who do who who does who does Travis Scott ultimately i guess think is responsible for this tragedy you know i it's crazy cuz something tragic happened here and what's, what, what I've just been trying to 
you know, get to the bottom of is just what happened here, how it happened here. And, I, you know, I think the families are owed, you know, that. I feel like, you know, the community is owed that. I feel like we're owed that to just know what happened here. Um, and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just speak too soon. I just want to figure out, you know, what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, like I said, you know, as artists, we just leave this up, you know, to, you know, to professionals to make sure that we, you know, that fans are having a good time, every, you know, people are protected and can, you know, leave and have the best experience ever, you know? You know they're going to pick this interview apart. So is there anything you want to say, you know, to your fans, to the family of people who lost loved ones, you know, before we get out of here? I mean, I just want to, I want everyone to just continue praying for the fans. Hmm. So here's the thing about that. And we'll talk about, we'll, we'll play another clip from the interview in a second. And we'll talk about a very pointed question that was asked to Travis Scott about the culture that exists at his shows. Um, and whether or not he feels like that contributed to what happened in Houston. This is what I'll say about that. So I am of the school of thought that Travis Scott is probably not responsible for what happened in Houston at the Asheville Festival, okay? Um, It's very rare that in a situation like that, that one person would be responsible. It's probably the failing of multiple different organizations and different factions, right? The police probably bear some responsibility. Travis probably bears some responsibility. Um, the event organizers probably bear some responsibility. And to be quite honest with you, the fans there probably bear some responsibility as well. Okay. Um, but what it is Travis Scott's responsibility to do is to fix everything. And that's unfair, but that's true. It's, Whereas he certainly didn't want 11 people to come to like 11 people to die at one of his shows. He probably is the last person who would have wanted that to happen in terms of what happens now. It is definitely on Travis Scott, his team, whoever he has to pull together to try to do something to make a change in concert safety, make a change at his shows and make sure that people know that they are safe when coming to his shows that they are valued when they come to his shows and that whatever went down in Houston, he will do whatever he can to try to mend it. Okay. By that sort of, by that standard, he is doing maybe the worst job I've seen of anyone that's on the back end of a crisis like this. That answer was completely without any power. It was totally feckless. It was meandering. It was wandering. It showed absolutely zero understanding of the gravity of the situation itself and of how difficult it's going to be for the families and people involved moving forward. Now, to be honest with you, that might be the actual way that he feels, right? He might feel in a state of confusion. I don't know what to say. Certain things I can't say because I don't want to believe myself legally liable. The point then becomes, what is the purpose of the sit down? Thank you. The, the, the point, if you don't have anything to say, if you don't have anything to give, if you don't have anything to, uh, to clear up, if you don't have any answers, then why would you subject yourself to being asked questions? The, I, I watched it and literally 10 minutes in, 
Like all the questions that have to be asked are going to be asked, right? But literally 10, 15 minutes in, I'm like, this is a waste of time. Like this, this is a waste of time. And it makes him look once again, in a weird way, the interview makes Travis Scott look like somebody where that could happen at one of their shows because he doesn't seem very uh, in tune with anything. He doesn't seem very engaged with it. He's obviously remorseful, obviously remorseful, obviously to me. I'm sure he has remorse. He'd have to be inhuman um, not to, or subhuman. Now, I don't mean to diss Black Bolt and the rest of the inhumans, but like he'd have to be subhuman um, to not have any emotions. But there's a lack of clarity. There's a lack of plan. There's a lack of purpose in a lot of things that he's saying right now. And I feel like that's almost worse. In a time where people, you can't make sense out of it, but they definitely are entitled to answers. He just doesn't seem to have any. Mm. Um, I disagree. I, I I think there is a level of negligence that um, that uh, Travis Scott will have to account for. I don't think it's it's definitely going to be when you're when you're naming police and you know the 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 promoters and uh, the city and all that. He's going to be at the very bottom. But it doesn't mean that he won't have some percentage. Oh, I, that's I what personally I said. believe. I said, oh, I, I, said no, I said he's I said he's a part of it shared with all those different entities. I don't think he Got is you. responsible. Okay. Yeah. When you say because so then he is liable just at, at the at a, at a bare minimum uh, in, in regards to percentages. I don't mean this in any kind of shady way. I am very curious because this was my first thought as well. My first thought when I saw that he was speaking out, I thought, why? Why would you do that? And the second thing was. Why did he choose Charlemagne? <laughs> and I know I'm like I'm I am asking a very genuine question. I think because I, I, th- I think I'm not because, trying to be shady. Right, right. I, I think, was like, why did you choose Charlemagne? <laughs> I think because Char's been so the pitchforks came out for Travis pretty soon, right? Because people want to. So there's something else that we have to discuss on the backside of this too. Is that sometimes the way people make sense of things mm-hmm. is with a pitchfork in their hand. Mm-hmm. So don't act like we can't act like it's not soothing to have somebody to blame for something that happened. Sure. It is. It makes you feel like there's more control over it. Someone did something wrong. And when you go someplace or when you're somewhere, somebody's going to do something right. And it's not going to happen the same way. It makes you feel like you have more control if you know who to blame. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whereas a lot of the other media was getting their pitch force off for Travis and, you know, Travis Scott then and trying to end his career basically is probably the way he looks at it. I think that Shar has cast him in a little bit more of a sympathetic light and said, look, uh, this is a tragedy that happened. So I think that the sit down in that instance was because maybe if Travis was in front of somebody else, it might have been either more uncomfortable or he might have felt like he was going to get grilled to a different degree. If he sits down on 2020 or Robin Roberts, or somebody like that. Not that the questions that were supposed to be asked in the interview weren't asked, uh, but they are going to maybe ask questions that are trying to expose the fact that in the middle of this right now, there doesn't really seem to be a plan. My question to Travis is, how are you going to figure out what happened? Like, we just need to figure out what happened. Okay, how? Who's figuring out what's happened? Who yeah, are you, you can't answer those like, questions. Like, who are you working with to figure out what happened, right? Like, if has anyone given you a sense of where the breakdown was? Do we know how this started? 
do he can't, he can't say that. Like, do but my my thing is okay. Do we know why? Because at one point in the interview, he says he did see an ambulance in the crowd. Right? He did saw he the say ambulance. It was a golf cart with lights on it because that's what his attorney said. Well, he said he didn't know at first, but he said he could see it, and he stopped the show. Like, yo, there it is. What's like? What the hell is going on and stuff? At this point, because there's also a point in the show to where. They told him you can't perform anymore. Something's gone wrong. But the show went on for about 40 minutes after that. So how does something like that happen between your team and you? Like, okay, we'll kill the show after the guest comes out. Well, you know, it's a lot of stuff. But I want to get to one more thing on this before we move on. One more thing. Uh, In past concerts, Travis has been... Uh, he is encouraging the raging culture. Now, if you've ever heard Travis or been to a Travis show, he'll even tell people sometimes, hey, don't let security stop you. Mush past security, get to the stage. People get jammed up and really, really amped up at these shows. And it creates sort of a frenzied atmosphere where people are going nuts. Wow, they're having a great time. Charlamagne asked him specifically if he felt like that culture uh, from his previous shows in any way contributed to what happened in Houston. Here's what he said. Raging make it harder to identify when something is going wrong in the crowd? Well, I think, you know, raging is just a, you know, they have a textbook, you know, definition. But, you know, in concerts, we've grown it to be just an experience of having fun. It's not about just, oh, harm. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It's about just letting go and having fun. You know, help others, you know, love each other. It's not about just, you know harm it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's not what it's all about the show isn't just rambunctious for an hour mm-hmm. you know it's, that's not what it is hmm. so don't want to kick the boy in his nuts don't want to kick the guy in his nuts the it's man just... in his nuts but obviously that's a non-answer it's you a know, non-answer it, yeah and, you, and... you know what i mean so obviously that's a non-answer well i guess in my thing is i will want follow-up it's like well you did tweet the day before, if not the day of, it doesn't matter if you don't have tickets, show up anyway. You know, what about the fact that the police chief who says he was friends with you, who's or friendly with you, spoke to you before and told you he was concerned? Like, these are things that it, it's like, it's they not did talk about that. They, they, did, they did talk about that in the interview. Okay. And what did he say? Um, well, I mean, what he said in the interview was basically that they weren't really talking about specific issues that like of crowd control they were talking about something that happened at the merch stand or they were talking about um they were talking about other things but nothing specifically like hey i think this could be a really dangerous situation nothing that would have raised like a red flag or the red alarm or anything like that that's so hard to believe when you see the videos of what they did at the merch stand there's no way that that was just a calm cool cool conversation of like hey you know they bombarded the merch stand and and pretty much tore it up and ran all over it and stole like how in the world is that a calm you know what i mean like and this is the daytime and they're they have they're they're anticipating your arrival it's just it listen i again it should have it's a conversation that i would have never put my client in i would not have allowed him to sit down and have this conversation there's so much he can't say because he is denying all liability in this case, but I don't know. I I love, love what you said though, about this could be an opportunity for him to make changes in the culture of concert going. He said he's going to try, but he just didn't give anything specific. 
This yeah. could be huge. And, and you're right. Like, what steps are you taking in regards to that other than not performing? Right. That's not we've seen you do that. But that can't be the end all be all right. because we know that you will eventually take the stage again. Right. So I, I but I, I really think by based on how many people have watched this, they're very disinterested into what he has to say. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, one of my favorite stories. What? This is one of my favorite stories. What is it? We always ask ourselves, how much is being white worth? How much is being white worth? We walk around here all black, all blacked up. Look at me. I'm looking at myself right now. Look at me black. Look at brown. Big ass nose. We walk around here all blacked up, and we don't know what's the actual difference. The dollar amount difference between black and white. In one case, it's half a million dollars. Man. <laughs> Paul and Tanisha Austin purchased a home in Marin County 2016 for $550,000. Then these two blacks. <laughs> put around $400,000 of extensive renovations into their home. They like Tyrese. Shout out to Reese, man. I went to Reese's house. You go to Reese's house, you go in the front, Reese got a nice house, nice crib, and then you go in the back of Reese's house and it's like a fucking wonderland. Reese got a, a Starbucks back there. Reese got a, a full club back there. He got a hibachi back there. Reese got a full, he got a drive-in movie type of deal. Shout out to Reese, man. Showed me a lot of hospitality. So they put a, they, they tie Reese their houses, what they did. Um, now they wanted to sell the home after they put all this money into it. And they were appraised for $995,000. They thought to themselves, hey, it's a little low. Doesn't seem like that is what the house is worth after we've Tyreesed it. Sure. So they called a white friend of theirs. And they wanted to get a second appraisal. Boom. House is now worth $1.4 million. Nearly a 50% increase. Okay. The woman who appraised the home is named Jeanette Miller. Very upsetting that her name is Jeanette because that's the name of one of the Chipettes. And the <laughs> Chipettes would never do something like this. Uh, so they have now filed a complaint. They plan to sue. 
And they feel like this is an example of some of the shenanigans that get played when black people are trying to sell homes, buy homes, own homes. It speaks to a long history in this country, of disenfranchisement, of redlining, of all of that stuff. Rachel, were you as tickled by this story as I was? No. Yes, it's funny. It's not funny. Yes, it is. But here's what I had an issue with. So the woman comes, Jeanette. Jeanette. Jeanette Miller. She appraises the house for less than a million, all right? Exactly what they bought it for, exactly what their uh, upgrades were, and that was it. Then a second appraiser, I'm assuming, whether it's from the same company or a, a different company, a totally different person comes in and inspects the home when a white when there's a white owner and and it costs more money what's the legal complaint here you haven't shown up necessarily a pattern that there that this woman or her company discriminates just because it happened to you and you can easily say that this other person came in and they had a different rate like you, like this, the, Jeanette was off. Maybe she's terrible at her job. Maybe she doesn't know how to appraise a house or the land or whatever. Wow. So we bring it. I'm sorry. Wow. That's how I saw it. They gonna come at me, me and Trudy. Trudy, it's you and me today. I'm Whoa. sorry. I'm Damn, watching this. Rach. I'm I'm sorry. I, it would have been different. What I wanted to read when I saw the headline, I was like, ooh. I wanted to know that Jeanette went back. And then saw that it was white owners or something, and then appraised it half a million dollar more. You had a totally different person, totally different company. It sounds like coming in and giving it a different value. You could easily say, "Well, Jeanette just sucks at her job." That's what the company would say. Show us the pattern of Jeanette discriminating against black people. It's, so your your team. So I wanted more. I wanted more from the story. I wanted more. Rach, I'll be honest with you. Not Rach, saying it's not true. Here, here, I Rach, just Rach, I'm gonna be honest with you. This is the shit I like. Okay? Because <laughs> your team Jeanette on that, and this is cool. I'm not teaching yeah, that. Sure, yeah, no, you are. So you, you the wanted, case is looking weak. You're one of the chipettes. A, a pattern of discrimination. You're one of the chipettes. The chipettes used to be Eleanor, Jeanette, and Brittany. Now they're Eleanor, Rachel, and probably Yodi. Yodi probably agrees with her too. Get Yodi on here right now. Legal Eagles. Y'all talk about this whole thing. Y'all y'all the chipettes now. Um, interesting. So what you're saying is there are actually holes in the Austin's allegations here. Unless I mean, I haven't read the whole complaint, but from what we're getting in this article, it seems like two like where did where can you show the link? Where can you show the pattern? They they say, you know, they allege, and I believe that they're probably right that appraisers discriminate against black and brown people. It's a majority white neighborhood. That's probably true. But in this instance, it doesn't seem like that was established without showing that Jeanette or this company have a pattern of discriminating. Does it matter what Jeanette wrote on the appraisal documents when she saw? Oh, what did she write? She said, nigga home. <laughs> I was like, what? I did not see that. What? what? <laughs> That's what she said. I was like, wait, I read the whole thing and I I'm so bad. Minus 500,000. That's what she said. No. Nigga home. Minus 500,000. That's what she said. That's what Jeanette said. Nigga, like, like, Jeanette is like, Jeanette, Jeanette's not having it. Um, But you know why I like this? I like this discourse right here. I like this because 
I think what you're doing right now is very important. Like for me, I'm not a legal eagle like yourself, right? So I look at this and I think, hey, open and shut. Like Jeanette is all down bad. But what you're saying is actually uh, there's more to it. And that to me makes me a little smarter and maybe even helps me dial down my rage just a tad. Because what you're saying is it's not that it's not racist, but in this situation, there's no way to know definitively whether or not it is or not. Yeah, Yeah. unless and and maybe they have proof in their case to show that that she specifically or this company has, like I said, a pattern of doing it. But in this article, I don't know. The good thing is they got their house appraised for the correct amount. Yeah. And they're and they're going to be able to sell it at a like a very decent price. We don't know if that's correct either. We don't know what the we don't know. The second appraisal might be. we, (laughs) We don't know. The second appraiser might have been like, he walked in the house and be like, yeah, you look white, but I smell black in here. Those black IPs, <laughs> I smell. It smells like chitlin juice. Minus 200,000. Uh, no, but obviously we know that redlining and this type of discriminatory practice is something that's very, very real. And by the way, we are not at all saying, I am certainly not saying that this did not happen in this case. Sure. I still actually kind of, not kind of, I pretty much, I believe that it did. Uh, oh, what, I'm sure what, it did. What, what we are saying, though, and I would like to have Paul and Tanisha Austin on the podcast just to see uh, what they're talking about. But what we're saying is that what you're saying is you don't think in terms of a lawsuit that this has very much leg to stand on. Yeah, there's not enough evidence. Mm. If this is it. Look, Black Panther 2 is in fucking trouble okay yeah yeah Letitia Wright who plays Shuri excellently by the way in Black Panther mm-hmm. 2 let's just face it she's an anti-vaxxer she doesn't want to take the vax correct I say anti-vaxxer not because she's vaccine hesitant but because also she seemed to be going around reports where that she was going around on the uh, set of Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever and telling people about the evils of the vax. Oh, really? Yeah, they were saying that earlier. Okay, now she doesn't want to take the vax. She left the country. She can't come back into the country unless she gets vaccinated. She is not going to do it. Okay. Um. So the reports are she is done with the MCU. Mm-hmm. No Black Panther mm-hmm. 2. No more MCU. No more Shuri. Mm-hmm. Have to recast Shuri. Black Panther 2 was already partly through the filming of the movie. And the goddamn movie had been written to make Shuri the central character with most people speculating that she would become Black Panther. So if she's off the movie now, whatever she shot now is probably kaput. If they recast a new Shuri, they'd have to do it over. It's The movie was pushed back already. This is a fucking disaster yeah. on the second installment of a movie that we loved so much when the first one came out in 2018. Do you think... Yes. That because if let's just say it is confirmed and she's not going to be a part of this movie and because they've already done so much with her that maybe this is her making a move, right? This is her play. Well, if you can't do it with me, it's going to take you a long time to rewrite it and then refilm and do it without me. And you got to figure out how you're going to do it without me. That by the time you do all that, I'll be at maybe the mandate or what whatever the rules are at Disney. Is it Disney? Will have changed. And I can come in 
and and do my part. It's tough. That could happen. That could be her play. It could. It could. It's tough. I got to be honest with you. I personally believe that they are furious with her. Of course. And have no, and have absolutely no desire to continue to work with Letitia Wright right now. Like what Letitia Wright feels about the vaccine, it is absolutely her prerogative. We've talked about this before. I want to do nothing less than relitigate that whole, just don't want to have that conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. But look, man, I have been very forthright about what I thought should have happened in Black Panther 2. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I've been very forthright. I personally believe that Black Panther should have been recast. Is that what you really said at the beginning? I thought you said no. No, that's not what I, that's not what I said. I said it should be recast. You said maybe wait some time. Maybe and wait recast. some maybe, maybe wait some time. Maybe wait some time and recast, but definitely recast. And okay. I, look, I, I feel like the decision. Nobody could have seen COVID. Nobody could have seen the vaccine. Nobody could have seen Letitia Wright's hesitancy to uh, to do the vaccine. And I'm sure her upcoming podcast that she starts with Kyrie Irving is going to be amazing. <laughs> but um, I do feel like, and over on the Ringiverse, we spoke to uh, Marvel VP Nate Moore about this, and he was very, he's an amazing guy. Oh, yeah, that a, went viral. Interview. Yeah. I, I I do feel like though, I feel like they're overcomplicating this. Audiences, black audiences, audiences themselves can handle a recasting of T'Challa. They're gonna handle a recasting of Shuri, obviously for different reasons, not even in the same realm. But audiences can handle a recasting of T'Challa. T'Challa is so central to the story of Black Panther. Let's be honest, guys. Black Panther is a mantle. T'Challa is Black Panther. He is. Mm-hmm. It, and I know that Nate said that we wouldn't get T'Challa again in in this multi in this universe. So there's a chance that in the multiversal situation, another multi another universe T'Challa can come in and we can get something from him. But I feel really upset and really bad about the fact that film going audiences are not going to get T'Challa as Black Panther moving forward at any time soon in this current continuity. Well, Van, it could change. At the time you spoke with him, nothing had been confirmed with what they they were planning to make this movie in the way that they had always planned it, not knowing that she was not going to be a part of it. So now that she's not, they may have to roll back what they said to get this movie out. You don't know. Mm. Let me ask you this. If she truly has this conviction, Mm -hmm. is it selfish or is it admirable that she is sticking to it? That is a really tough, I mean, I guess it depends who you ask, right? Because ad, no, it's not admirable, right? That's not the word I would use. It's absolutely selfish. Like, scratch all that. It's selfish, okay? It's selfish for her because of the commitment that she's made. 
But she also is being selfish for herself to make a decision that she believes in. So maybe it's an admirable version of selfish, but however you split the baby, it's a selfish move because she's making the decision for herself, right? She's choosing that this is what she wants to do with her body. She does not want to be told what to do in regards to this vaccine. So she's making this decision for herself. That's a selfish move, no matter how you wait, whether you want to use it as a positive or a negative. And that and that selfish move is selfishly impacting an entire franchise at right. the moment. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I am imploring Marvel as much as I have. Think about recasting T'Challa. So many amazing black actors out there can play the part right now. Maybe you don't need a black actor. Maybe cast T'Challa as Timothy Chalamet. No, stop. No, Put you him in there. Like... Put him in there. Why not? Because black. everybody knows Black Panther's got to be black. Stop. Just get, put him in there. Timothy Chalamet, they don't give a stop. fuck. They'll watch stop. it. Timothy Chalamet is Wakanda forever. Can you imagine? Uh, the Black Panther. <laughs> Hey, it's me, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, um, big fight coming up next year. Big fight. Freddie Gibbs versus Academics. We got to have him back on. In one corner, Freddie Gibbs, one of the hardest gangster rappers currently working. One of the best, one of the top nominated for Grammy for Best Rap Album. Vice Lord Reppin. Freddie Gangsta Gibbs in the other corner. Weighing in at unknown, we have one of the most polarizing people in all of hip hop media, the man with the Hennessy plan, chat nigga, DJ Academics. Ack went on the million dollars worth of game podcast and challenged, said he would fight Freddie Gibbs. They've been having an on and on beef, on and off beef for a while. A couple of years now. He would fight Freddie Gibbs one-on-one in the boxing ring. Freddie Gibbs then went on Jalen and Jacoby and said, let's do it. Said, I'm 180. Act weighs a little bit more. Act probably like 205, 210, something Actually, like that. Actually, the quote was, I'm a solid 185 and he's a soft 204. That's right. funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and they fight, they fight, they get their they get their differences off. I mean, this has gotten pretty bad. Ack said something about Gibbs. Gibbs came back and said something about Ack. Gibbs seemingly threatened Ack on Twitter. Ack went to Gibbs's hood and tried to discredit him, saying all of these things. These are two guys going back and forth. Two guys going back and forth. And now it seems like they want to come to blows, fisticuffs, in a fight between Ack and Freddie Gibbs. Who you got? Neither. Okay? I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> Neither one of them are boxers. Let's stop calling it a boxing match, uh -huh. okay? Don't even call it that. These these are just two idiots about to go fight, right? Fight out their differences. It's a cockfight. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see Gibbs and Ack fight, okay? I, it's just so stupid. Y'all figure it out. Figure out another way to deal with it. I get that you don't like each other. Just don't like each other, right? Just don't like each other. Gibbs talking about he don't even want money off the thing. He just wants act out of the game completely. I don't. I. I would love to have academics on here and talk. Like why? Why do we need to see this? For okay. Why? So Ack is For making mi millions of dollars doing what he's doing. He's never leaving the game. So that's out. Um, yeah. Okay. You said you don't want to see it. I 
don't. I don't. I, 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 I feel like this makes us look. This is stupid. Makes right? me look this stupid. Is stupid. Us. What? What? Both what? Of us. Them. Both of them. Well, they're oh. both black men, and so they, and, they, and, and, and it looks stupid. Like y'all just gonna go fight it out, and y'all doing all this. You on ESPN? You're Ain't on another no podcast. Us. Ain't no us. Is Ack and Freddie Gibbs, and if they want to fight, I can't think of anything I'd rather watch. Literally, I would literally that's, that's... rather. I would literally rather watch Ack box Freddie Gibbs than watch the Super Bowl. Not even it close. It's not like, boxing. I, fighting in a ring with gloves. I would pay $200. I'm not lying. I pay $200 to see DJ Academics to make actually fools box. It's not happening. Nothing to do with making fools. Yes, you know what they, I like? They're they going to make fools of themselves. You, you, you know I what I like? This is what I like. I like when, because here's the thing. Number one, this stuff like this should never come to violence, right? It should never come to violence. Correct. But if it's going to come to that, I would rather see it in a controlled entertaining spot where these two people can wail on each other and realize at the end of the day it ain't worth it it's just not worth it it's not worth it being in the ring huffing and puffing trying to hit somebody in front of all of these people it's also just not worth oh go ahead sorry but then because then somebody really gets embarrassed so for me what i personally want to see and look uh both guys are great guys both guys are great guys. You might have problems with some shit that Gibbs does. You might have problems with some shit that Act Act does. But they can't. They can't not talk about each other. It seems like, and they can't not exist in this sort. Of, so let's fucking see it. Who fucking cares? Let's do it. Make some money off of it. Like like donate something to charity. Box box. They won't get Box. more time or attention. And we're not going to talk about it on this podcast. You, We definitely are. And you nope. definitely watch I'm mad. I'm mad we wasted this much time. You're definitely watching Y'all, a boxing match between Freddie it. Gibbs don't and I. This will never don't happen. This will never happen. But if it did happen, you would definitely watch a Freddie Gibbs versus DJ Academics boxing match next year would do bigger numbers than any Jake Paul fight has ever done. Freddie Gibbs versus DJ Academics next year. Bigger numbers. I don't doubt it. Than any Jake Paul fight has ever done. Now, not the Floyd shit with Logan Paul because you got Floyd. But if they were actually to do that, bigger numbers than Jake Paul, and they could run the bread up. If you go beef, at least get some money out of it. I don't know who I'm taking, by the way. I don't know who I'm taking. I've never seen either either guy fight. I mean, I assume Freddie got them hands because, you know, Gangsta Gibbs. But I don't know, man. You never know what act brings to the table. You never know what act brings to the table, you know? So who okay. knows? You don't know who you're taking? I don't know who I'm taking in the fight between Freddie Gibbs and Act. I don't know. Let's take a commercial break. Take a commercial break. Who are you taking? I, I'm taking a commercial break. Well, let's do that then. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, can I ask you a question? Is math racist? <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a tough question. Maybe not math itself in regards to like when it's numbers and equations, mm-hmm. but problem solving and standardized tests with math, I think are. Okay. So I want everyone to listen to that answer because that is an answer that people who pose that question do not want you to give. That answer is the entire issue of this. That is a hyperintelligent person's answer to this question, which has been posed in a very disingenuous way. What we're talking about right now are schools debating whether or not the way math is taught and the way math is applied, whether or not those things can be tweaked to be more inclusive culturally. The question that came out of that discussion for a lot of people was, is math racist? Mm -hmm. In an attempt to dumb this argument down to, is two plus two equals four calling you a nigga? Obviously, it's not. Correct. But there are, of course, ways that you can take anything and when put into a societal circumstance or taught into a school where people are different races, that it can be culturally less inclusive. Mm -hmm. Schools are looking into this. It's something that falls into the line of thinking along the same track as critical race theory. There is an amazing teacher, and I want to make sure I get her name right. Um, uh, In Florida, there is an amazing teacher in Florida named Nadine Ebrey, And what she is doing is she is changing the way she's teaching the math. She's making the math culturally accessible for her students. So maybe a little math rap. Maybe she's dropping it into Minecraft. Uh, Maybe she's having them doing a call and response with them. One of her lessons went viral where they have a better entry point into what these problems actually mean. Maybe it's not fucking uh, Jody and Bill each have $5 to go to the country club. You You know what I mean? Correct. And so... What the right is attempting to do is conflate this issue once again. What Rachel said was absolutely right. Math, of course, isn't Rachel or isn't isn't racist. <laughs> math is just math. But when we are teaching math to to students, uh, predominantly in settings where students are underperforming, and Black Latino students in different places seem to underperform in, in math and algebra for different reasons, is it important to consider that it's not their aptitude? in the way uh, for, that explains why they're underperforming, it's actually the method in which they're being taught. Absolutely. What's wrong with that? Like, why does this have, this have to be a debate? Of course. 
because you add race into it and then it becomes a whole issue, right? We've been doing it this way for this long. Why are we trying to change it up? That's exactly what this is. Is it the goal that we're supposed to be better and smarter and more educated? So if you can do so, have a system that helps them accomplish that, then what is the problem? I remember, and it's like our generation and generations before, we never had an opportunity to learn math in any other way. To the point where what we saw with Johnny and Amy going to the country club or going to buy skis or whatever it is, that's we that's all we ever knew. That's what we had to accept. I remember when I was studying for the LSAT. LSAT? Yeah, that's one the of lawyer, those tests. That's the lawyer test. No, no, Jesus no. I just Christ. couldn't remember. No, no, no. I couldn't remember if it was my SAT or my LSAT. I think it's my SAT. I can't remember one of them. And um, I remember when no, it's my SAT. I don't know. It, anyways, I remember I had a white male teacher. And it was a weekend crash course I was taking. And he said, and I never heard this before, standardized testing is made for Northeastern white males. And I never heard that before. And after that point, I started reading every question in a different way. And the way he taught us, it's called power score. Mm. The, class. the way he taught us was to look through it through those eyes. So it wasn't necessarily a creative teaching like this young woman is doing, but it was more of like, once you understand who they're talking to, it can help you read past that so you don't get caught up in trying to understand what, what the hell that even is. You just need to pull out what it is that you, the problem you need to solve. And I'll never forget that. And nobody had ever said that to me before. So imagine these young children are getting that at this age and how they can excel, right? Because standardized testing is a weed out system. So imagine if you can't weed us out out so easily because we get it so much better now what the hell is the problem with this you know what standardized testing really is what? totally and completely useless sure it's a weed out system it's 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 another piece of bullshit that we should do away with it's a dumb it's dumb bullshit i don't care race no race whatever put put a time limit hey you have one hour to figure this out no i don't i'm going to get a job <laughs> I have way more than an hour to figure whatever this is out. I can go and sit down and read. If I Man, I remember I was trying to learn more about the vaccine. And I listened to this, this YouTube video. And they're talking in a lot of medical jargon that I do not understand. So in order for me to make sense of it, I had to listen to that same thing on every walk that I took for a while. I was actually studying, right? And now I got it. In the real world, when you're trying to figure something out, you normally have time to tinker with it until you have an understanding of it. There are some people that would have understood that sooner. There's some people that would have understood it later. Standardized testing is another masturbatory act that kids have to go through to prove to somebody else whatever, like you said. It's just stupid. The whole thing is dumb. It's stupid. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, 17% of third graders at majority white schools after the pandemic are performing on uh, their grade level in math, uh, while 4% of black students attending mainly black schools are. Here's the thing. Two reasons why this is important. Number one, stats like that ask a fundamental question of the reader of the stat. Look back into yourself. Look into a mirror and just ask yourself really easily. Do you think black people are stupid? Just ask yourself. Can black people not do math? Can black and Latino kids not do math? Okay. Just ask yourself that. So if you really think that, go about your merry way. Don't want to talk to you anymore. That's fine. I'm not going to have time to argue with you about it. But if you don't think that, 
The question then would be, why are their scores not meeting their white counterparts? Mm-hmm. Then you problem solve. Another reason why that matters is because a lot of these standardized test scores, a lot of these scores, a lot of these performances are a direct entry point into STEM programs. And STEM programs the, the are overwhelmingly white and the industry is overwhelmingly white. So if we adjust the playing field at the base level, maybe kids have a better chance of actually breaking through the glass ceiling of what I believe is going to be the profession and the expertise that takes us to the next phase of humanity. So this is very important stuff. Right. Very, very important stuff. They should let me write the questions. I'm sure they would be people would be laughing. Van. They, they, they should be they should concentrate the, bruh, on what it is they were doing. They should let me write the questions. Give us one. Okay. Go ahead. Simple math. Simple math. All right. This is the question. Young Thug featuring the baby. Kill a nigga while he's driving. The song is three minutes long. The hook of the song is 30 seconds long. It appears twice in the song, Kill a Nigga While He's Driving. If you took the hook out of the song, how long would Kill a Nigga While He's Driving be now? Okay. Okay. Come on, Rachel. So that's, so three minutes. Three minutes on. is 180 seconds. Wow. That means. <laughs> <laughs> You're already there. You know, we, we're going to go. Of course we, I know going... it, but that doesn't. <laughs> of course I know it. We you know. know, I was in the math Olympics when I was little. I, I was don't know. <laughs> I wasn't in the math, nothing. I was very into math when I was a kid. Yeah, I didn't even take like it in college. I tested out. Yeah. No, I was very into math. Mm-hmm. Did, the ju- did, did the judge teach special religious math what's what were you about to say are we going to move on to i mean i want to know how the judge put the math that questions there are 10 commandments (laughs) (laughs) the covenant of christ the number 10 thou shalt not (laughs) all right uh i love the just i make it seem like the judge is like a a, literally is the voice of god (laughs) like he is He is. Moses had two tablets. He dropped one and it broke. How many tablets does Moses have now? Uh, I don't think he had two tablets. How many, t- how many tablets did Moses have? Just one or two? Was it one or two? Well, in the picture, there are two, right? Two. Like he's holding both of them. And, they got, down. and he, they got five on each. That's how the picture shows it. Yeah, five commandments on each. Real quick question before we move on. Did God just like because the iPad would have been so much easier. You know what I mean? And, and God could make it. So like, wouldn't God want to give Moses some technology because he could scroll? But like, where's he going to plug in his iPad van? Like, where are we going to get there? Like how, just the iPads up here. He just got two iPads holding up in his hand. Yo, that's he wouldn't even need to. He wouldn't even need to. He could yeah. just have one. He could just one, scroll. One and just scroll. Scroll. Just scroll. Meanwhile, yeah. you're making this man, you're making this man lug Big ass Moses must have had incredible core strength. You're making Moses low lug big ass tablets around the Mount Sinai. He got to go up and down. You know what I mean? Mount Sinai? No, what was it? It was Mount Arafat. What was the mountain? It was Mount Mount 
Mount Sinai. Wait, what Moses is mountain? It was Mount Arashim. Arif, Hold on. Moses is Donnie, look this up. Moses is mountain. Moses is mountain name. Uh Mount Sinai. Wasn't it? I see Mount Mount Sinai. Yeah, you, you got it. All right. Yeah, okay. like, I stand corrected. Yeah, it's all gravy. Mount like Mount Sinai. Look at him. Look look at Moses with the tables right there. Like hurting this man's abs and his sides. All right, let's go. Let's go to. Let's go to. Let's go to mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Okay, Alish Irwin asks in your opinion what's the best chain restaurant and why bruce chris black ip bruce chris i mean it's easy. i don't know if they're still out there but black happy so let me tell you something alish bruce chris has three things that are completely undefeated to me a restaurant needs three things if a restaurant has just one thing they cool. If a restaurant has two things, it's all right. If a restaurant has three things, then they elite. And what is it? Ruth's Chris Cheesecake. Fucking insane. It comes in a little circle. Got the graham cracker crust, of course. It's like a little circle of cheesecake. Fucking crazy. Like crazy, the cheesecake. Number two, Ruth's Chris Jumbo Lump and the Crabby Cake. All right? ridiculous amazing the lump cake sits on the butter that's how it comes in they come out hey they they put two fucking spoons down and they put the crab cake thing on there for you it's like don't touch it it's hot because it's hot baby third thing porterhouse for two medium oh my god that steak is steak is crazy three things right there on Ruth's Chris menu you cannot go wrong it's insane it's amazing. Fuck the black eyed wow. All right. Uh, wow. <laughs> all right. Next. At Von Cannon underscore asks, would you rather fulfill your biggest dream instantly or resolve your biggest regret? Uh, it's the dream for me. Rachel, what about you? It's definitely the dream. I got caught up on the instantly. Right. But, um, yeah, definitely fulfill your biggest dream. Um, What's your biggest regret? I, I I can't think of one, and so maybe that's why it's easier to pick the dream. Mm. I, there's not there's no like resounding regret that I'm like, man, you know. And I don't know if you work this out in your book, but I talk about it in mine. Like, there's things that you're like, huh, you know, I could have done that differently. But literally, the last couple of pages is me talking about I'm glad I didn't because this led to this and this. You know what I mean? Like you build on it. You learn from it. You grow it. I know that sounds cheesy or maybe cliche, but it is true because if you don't, then you're not better from it. So, no, I don't want to resolve my biggest regret. I think you do resolve it as you move forward in life. There you go. Very well said. Very well said. Um, my biggest regret is that I fell in front of the whole school during a pep rally in 94. Right, of just I was I took a false step on the bleachers. I thought I had it, so walking down the bleachers, feet slipped off, and like every the, when I say the entire school, 
What grade? The whole. I was a ninth grade. I was a freshman. Oh. Oh, like, you were definitely too old to be doing that. The, like I stepped and my foot and boom and when I went out, I fell twice. I hit the bleacher, then I hit the floor. Pop, pop. Everybody laughed. Everyone laughed. Coach on a side note, how right. great were pep rallies back in the day? Oh Jesus Christ, man. man. Like you get to man. miss class. Like you miss <laughs> class. You go out there, everybody's excited. Especially yes. if they had it after lunch period. Because if they had an after lunch period, then that means that, you know, you go right to football practice after. It was so fun. High school was fun, man. High school was fun. All right, one more. Lena asks, how and where do you make friends as an adult? Basketball court. Yeah, you really do. Mm -hmm. That's why I've been trying to tell Brian to come out to the basketball court because, and he swears he was great back in the day, like you. Yeah. I feel like that's the, a lot of the talk on the basketball court that you play on. Yeah. For me, it's through other people. Mm-hmm. So that's because I, I, I honestly, I feel like I'm working all the time. So it's it's hard for me to. But like moving to L.A., coming here, I'm still learning and meeting people. So the friends I do have, I meet through their friends, you know, mm-hmm. or I meet like, right, like me and Van. I met Kalika. We mm-hmm. cut Van out of the equation. Yeah, and it's, it's just me and Kalika. Yeah. <laughs> It's just me and Kalika. It's okay. <laughs> Things happen. Um, yeah, so me, basketball, uh, always doing stuff like that that I like to do. You know, I remember last year, I would go on these long walks and I end up seeing this same white guy on the walks every time. We'd see each other in the same spot. I was, hey, man, how are you? Say, hey, guy, how are you? Like, where are you walking to? I'm walking down there. Hey, isn't this whole pandemic thing crazy? Talk with the guy for a little while. So, but I'm very friendly. I'm very friendly. I'm like you. I'm like yourself. Um, I'm nice. You're nice. You're very nice. No, very nice. I'm friendly, not nice. That there's a, there's a difference. Oh, that's very interesting. What's the difference? I don't know. Like I'm friendly, as in you know, I like to meet people and work a crowd, and you know, I'm, ah. I'm an extrovert, an extrovert. But am I nice? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not so much. Like I think you're nice. I'm social. Yeah. Which is what I think friendly is. All right. Uh, do you have an unexpected ally of the week? No. Mine, I do. Oh, the, good. the woman who pretended like she was the house person for uh, <laughs> Tanisha and them. Good for you. Help us catch racist whites. You know? We should, I, went, I recently went to see Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Afterlife, which I cried my eyes out at the end of the movie. Um, oh. but I was thinking about maybe we need white busters when there's something racist in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? White busters when they do you wrong and it don't look good. Who you gonna call? White busters. You know what I mean? Like just a, a group of people that just go out and our job is just to find you racism. Yourself. You're a yeah, white buster. I'm a white buster. <laughs> Our job is just to find racism and root it out. But we set traps. I don't mind setting a trap. You know? Like like the your unexpected ally. Like unexpected ally. You go out there, you set the trap. You know what I mean? You 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 set the trap and then they come white busters. Who you gonna call? White busters. As I'm telling you. Would you be in it? It could be me, you, Donnie, and so um. What well, setting traps? I'm so into it. Setting traps. <laughs> setting traps. You know what I mean? 
Like put Martin Luther King's face on a on a urinal and see who pees on it. You're racist. Wow. You should have I mean, gone like, to another <laughs> urinal. So you like you should you should have like, gone to another urinal. Why you want to pee on Dr. King? <laughs> we don't even know if Dr. King was into that. He probably was though. All right. Uh that's gonna do it for us today. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Uh take think caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. I'm sorry, Bye, Dr. Guys. King. We out. I literally cannot believe you said that. Please <laughs> say that out.